0: Hello, you are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I
1: have a, just a quick question if I can. Um, I was wondering,
2: you know, just uh, where... Uh,
1: where the hell is your birth certificate? Wednesday, hump day in America, hump day in the free world, you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, getting after that day, hold on to your hats, we got a big show coming up and all you liberals, get your panties in a twist, they're always in a twist, because we're coming after you. Well, I hope you folks are having a great, great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. It's a beautiful day down here in South Texas. It's about 65 degrees. Clear sky. Not a cloud in the sky. Sun shining like, a, like it's a going out of style. Just another winter day in South Texas. You know, ladies and gentlemen, over the years, I've come to realize that a lot of Americans, a lot of people in America... I'm strictly talking about Americans now. I don't know how Europe feels about this, but Americans have a problem with distinguishing between arrogance and confidence. They have a problem doing that. Now, I remember way back when, when everybody was after Rush Limbaugh for the way he spoke on the radio, the way he talked about himself and way he professed to be the man, the conservative, the man that knows it all, and all this other stuff, as people perceived him to be saying. But in actual fact, it was Rush Limbaugh being himself, or being himself. He is a very self-confident man. Now, it seems in the modern era of things, when it comes to people in America, and especially the feminine side, A lot of women, when they run across a man who exudes confidence, who's proud of what he's accomplished, and stands up for what he stands for, and speaks out in terms of "I believe in this. This is the way it is. What as far as I'm concerned, etc., etc." Well, they look at that man as either an arrogant s o b, or somebody that is a complete. Oh, I don't know self-contained, narcissistic individual. But in all cases, that most cases, that's not true. That's not true. You have people like Rush Limbaugh, Donald Trump, great leaders of our military, etc., who exude confidence in themselves without that confidence either in a man or a woman where people are hollow. They're the people who sit at the back of the room and never raise their hand when a question's is asked about a specific issue or whatever in a political meeting. They just sit there and keep their mouth shut. They're afraid to speak up, afraid to stand for what they believe in, afraid that they will say something that is going to offend somebody, and here comes political correctness. It is all tied in with this. It is all in the egg-beater of politics. And political correctness, that's a big uh, added agreement Uh, ingredient added into the whole political scheme of things that keeps a lot of people's mouth shut or makes people or generates things that people believe in as arrogance when people speak out against what they believe as the political way or shouldn't be the political way of looking at things. You take Donald Trump. He says that he's going to build a wall. You take Donald Trump. He says, I'm going to check these Muslims out. I'm going to put a temporary stop to them from coming into America until we figure out who they are and what they are, where they come from, what kind of diseases they have, their motivations for as far as ideology goes, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get illegals that broke the law of breaking into our country and I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to send them home. And a lot of people look at that as arrogance or somebody that is really a hardcore hate filled individual. But in the same vein, those very same people might be on a Facebook page somewhere or, or Twitter 20 things or writing things down saying, I wish all these illegals would leave. They, they, I'm getting tired of paying for them and stuff. I I really don't want Muslims here, but I don't know what to do. Along comes Trump, and he says what he's going to do, and those very same individuals stand up against him and try to shout him down. And it's not just liberals doing it, it's the Republican Party, and it is a lot of mainstream Republicans that are doing exactly that. But you know, confidence is a personal trait. A self-assured person doesn't care what others think about him. You know it may seem obvious at the outset but it is often the most arrogant people who defend by saying defend themselves by saying they're just more self-confident than others much like the difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness and compassion versus niceness confidence is internal and arrogance is external but not always not always A lot of people that exude confidence, it shows, it's in their speech, it's the way they carry themselves, it's the way they address a a question, etc. And when they point at somebody who they say is stupid, and you look at that individual or that organization or that cause or that party, political party, and when that individual says some people in that party are stupid, well, let's get real here. Look at the political party of the Republicans. Look at the leadership of the Republican Party. Look at what they have done to America by hiding under their desks. Look what they've done to America this last budget as a budget, as an example. House Leader Ryan. They sold out to Obama like they have been doing for eight years. Those people are stupid. They're dumb. Or they're scared. I don't know which it is, or it's a combination of all. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, here in America, American society encourages shrewd business deals and blow the belt punches. That's just a matter of life which aren't the niche, you know, for an older boy. If you're an older boy and you're going to sit there and keep your mouth shut in the business world or in society today and you're in, a say, a business where you have to make shrewd deals just to keep your business going, and you're one that has a thin skin or you're afraid to speak up or you're just a little older boy sitting there hoping that somebody else will take up for you, then that is not for you. That's not where you should be. One has to be tough has to have the thick skin know when to dish it out and how to take it. Politics and those in the business world know it is not all nicey-nicey, and they know you have to stand your ground or be ran over. They know that. But you know, calling a spade a spade, pulling no punches, telling it like it is, is an earmark of a shrewd businessman. The successful ones never take no for an answer, and when they are slapped down, they get up with even more vigor and get back into the fight. To make any deal, to make anything successful, when dealing with other people, you must always negotiate from a position of strength. Being mealy-mouthed, apologetic, soft-spoken, just don't cut it in the business world or as far as that goes into politics as well. But you know, I'll give you a political example of a person who didn't take crap off of anybody, who told it like it was, didn't pull any punches, called a spade a spade, and that was uh, President Harry Truman. You remember one of his greatest quotes, one of his famous quotes, "If you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, get the hell out." Now that you can't be any more blunt than that. And he was a Democrat back in the late early 50s, President of the United States. If you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, get the hell out. Now, you know, injected into society today, from the time Harry Harry Truman uh, said those words, if you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, get the hell out. Calling a spade a spade, telling it like it is, pulling no punches, no political correctness, just telling what he thinks and how he looks at things when it comes to the political arena, when it comes to life in America, whatever the case may be. It seems like that attitude has been diluted way down. To now, mealy-mouthed people, especially males, are the ones that are admired. And the people who stand up and speak out with a stiff spine, a a stiff upper lip, and tell it like it is, pull no punches, call a spade a spade, well, they're arrogant. They're mean. You know, ladies and gentlemen, America today has a very small niche of people that walk within the confines of America and serve America all around the world. They are the last vestiges of tell it like it is. They are the last vestiges of a stiff spine. They are the last vestiges of we are Americans and don't screw with us. We will do you under. If you don't like it, you can kiss my backside. The United States military. The last vestiges of a long line of those people dating back to way before Harry Truman. Teddy Roosevelt said one time, back in 19-whatever it was, 1901, whatever the great white fleet, if you screw, I'm paraphrasing now, if you screw with one American, he's telling the Chinese this, if you screw with one American, you screw with us all. Where has that attitude gone? The rugged individualism of America, the American male, where has it gone? It's been diluted down, whittled down by society today. But you know, Oh, every once in a while, somebody w- comes along that stands up, tells it like it is, pulls no punches, calls a spade a spade, looks you in the eye and says, "No, nope, you're wrong. You're wrong. Those people are stupid. Look at what they've done. Isn't that stupid? And people either admire that person for standing up and saying that and standing up for America or they cover their mouths and say, oh, my God. He's so arrogant. He's such a cocky person. No, it's not arrogance. And it's not being cocky. It's being in control of oneself. And being in control of what you say. And confidence underwrites it all. Not arrogance. Confidence. America needs more confidence. America needs more leaders with confidence. Oh, we got arrogant people out there like Glenn Beck and people like that, that think that they uh, that what they say, the, the the gang of twenty-two, those are arrogant SOBs. They think that what they can dictate to us on what a conservative should be, and how we should carry ourselves, and what we should say and not say, and how we should say it and not say it. That is conservatism to them, but it's not. It's not. I would be more in line with Harry Truman. If you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, get the hell out. Now there is a person who exudes confidence. There is a person who is his own man. There is a person who has a stiff upper spine. Not a mealy-mouthed, limp-wristed approach to issues that threaten the United States today. And there's only a few people out there that Gary Gatehouse would hang my political hat of support on. And one of them is Donald Trump. Another, if push comes to shove and the one I really want, Donald Trump does not make it, I'll hang my hat on Ted Cruz. But that's the only two in the whole scheme of things that I would support or will support. Those two individuals, in my priority list, Donald Trump number one, Ted Cruz two, only two individuals that exude confidence. It's a personal trait. Not arrogance, not cockiness, confidence. Americans have got to be able to realize and recognize the difference between confidence and arrogance. You look at Barack Hussein Obama, Jr.? There is an arrogant person. And he really doesn't have a lot of confidence in himself. You can tell that. Because he's always praising himself. He's always going for somebody out there to adore him. fall at his feet. Because he knows he can exude confidence as the left perceives it as. And really, it's not confidence. He's not sure of his self. He's not sure of himself, and he's a BSer. He can BS with the best of them. He's a liar, and he's a narcissist. There's a prime example of a person who exudes, not confidence, but complete arrogance. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Wednesday edition, getting after lefty. We'll be back after a few short messages. Uh, man, you know, uh, you know, back in the '60s, man, we didn't have no cats like Gary Gatehouse man. But this dude gets after Lefty, and I like that.
3: I'm Marie Osmond. Choices: some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, our choice. Make your choice
4: at GoRedForWomen.org. At 32, Carol had her first heart attack. Michelle began kidney dialysis right before graduation. A brain seizure kept Maria out of work for nearly a year. Without warning, lupus can attack the major organs. Every day it disables its victims, especially women. Like most Americans, I didn't know how life-threatening lupus could be until my sister was diagnosed. It's time we do something about it. Contact the Lupus Foundation of America at 888-38-LUPUS or lupus.org.
1: You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com. Hi, how are you? Welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition. Getting after Lefty. I'd like to give a shout out to all my folks over there, all my listeners in Europe, all my listeners in Great Britain, especially down in the great big city of London. London, England. Hope you're having a fine day. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we were talking about confidence versus people who are cocky and who people who uh, are narcissistic, whatever the case may be. But you know, when you talk about people like Donald Trump or Rush Limbaugh or anybody that stands up and and uh, doesn't take no for an answer because they believe in themselves and they will continue to press. What they believe in, as something that they, uh, you know, they believed in their whole life, their whole adult life, anyway, or they might have been raised that way. And you look at people like Rush Limbaugh. Can you call Rush Limbaugh conservative? Yeah, you can. You can call Rush Limbaugh conservative. Now he uh, has never really, as as long as I've listened to him, really. Swayed one way or another when you, when you put, plug in all of the main ingredients, if you will, of a conservative. There are all, are all kinds of ingredients you can plug in to make a conservative what a conservative is. It depends on way you look at what they stand for when you're on the outside looking in at that individual. That individual considers themselves conservative. You might look at them and say, well, they believe in this and this, but they don't believe in this and this and this. This is what I believe in and they don't believe in, so they're not really a conservative. It all depends on the whole damn mix, if you will, and the mix, the mixing bag, the bag of ingredients is huge to make up a conservative. There are social conservatives, there are political conservatives, there are... Uh, Issue-driven conservatives, there are certain conservatives that only are very narrow-minded and only look at two or three issues that they believe in and nothing else matters. There's all kinds of conservatives. But the main ingredients of a conservative is they love their country, they love the Constitution, and they practice what the Constitution says they should do, obey the law and, and honor the law, honor the military, protect our country, etc. And these people will have a whole kind of makeup that only they as individuals are. Every person is an individual. We're not all the same, like I said on my show Monday. If we were all the same, we would be what a lot of people call Russia's listeners as mind-numb robots, which we're not. We are people who believe in this country, believe in our military, believe in the Constitution, believe in all kinds of things that all mesh together to make us conservatives. So you cannot dictate, you cannot say, you cannot put on a piece of paper an exact down to the letter, cross the T, dot the I, period the sentence what a conservative is. A conservative is made up of all kinds of different things, attitudes, ideas, issue driven, you name it. But when you look at a liberal, a liberal has a cut and dry definition. A liberal is a person who hates conservatives. A liberal is a person who is the one who is stiff-necked and does not uh, uh, differ from their ideology. It is cut and dry what a liberal is. We all know what liberals are, so I'm not even going to get into it. But the question is, and a person asked Donald Trump this, Mr. Trump, what is a conservative? Mr. Trump responded by saying to CBS's John Dickerson, host of Face the Nation, when he asked Donald Trump this last Sunday, what is your definition of a conservative? Donald said, Mr. Trump said, well, I think it's a person that doesn't want to take overly risks. I think that's a good thing, Mr. Trump responded. I think it's a person that wants to, in terms of government, I'm talking about a person that wants to conserve, a person that wants to, in a financial sense, balance budgets, a person that feels strongly about the military, and I feel very, very strongly about the military. He said, and he went on. And you have some of these people, they don't even want to focus on the military. Our military is falling apart. I feel very, very, and I have always felt very, very strongly about the military. By the way, he said, if you look at vision, when you look at the word vision, I was the one that said, take the oil from ISIS. I have been saying that for years. And I have said, take the oil, let's take the oil. And nobody will listen. Then all of a sudden, after Paris terror attacks, they started saying, well, maybe that's right. We will take the oil. And they still don't do it in the proper way or manner. And Mr. Trump went on to say, and I was... Which is a very, which is a little bit different than a normal conservative, but I was very much imp- opposed to the war in Iraq. A lot of these guys were all for the war in Iraq. Look what that's got us. Look what that's got America. We have spent two trillion dollars. We have lost thousands of lives. We have nothing. We're now handing Iraq over, just handing it over to Iran. Iran is going to take over Iraq, and I said that was going to happen. I said that years ago, 2003-2004, that Iran would take over Iraq with the largest oil reserves in the world, and that's not a conservative position when I was saying, don't go into Iraq. Now, I'm very much into military, and we'll build our military bigger, better, stronger than any military before. But, and that's safe. That's actually the cheapest thing to do as opposed to what we have right now. But I was opposed to the war in Iraq. Most conservatives were, let's go gung-ho. These guys, just about all of them, every one of them wanted the war in Iraq. Look at what it's got us. Like I said, trillions of dollars gone down the tube. That's Gary Gatehouse talking there. Mr. Trump went on to say when political opponents criticize him for not being a conscientious Uh, are a consistent conservative. I just evoke the name Ronald Reagan. I mean, Ronald Reagan was a fairly liberal Democrat. And he evolved over the years. He became more and more conservative. And he was not a very conservative person, but he was pretty conservative. And he ended up being a great president. And I have evolved on many issues. And there are some issues I'm very much the same. I have been consistent or constant on many issues, but I have evolved on certain issues. And I think evolved through experience and through as you grow older, you see things and you watch things and you study things. Ladies and gentlemen, he's right there. As a young person, you're full of vim and vigor and you look at things in a completely different light. Political issues, they don't resonate with a lot of young people. Social issues, they don't resonate either. But as you get older, especially if you're a family man or a family woman, have children, and you get older, they grow up and have grandkids, and you've already been through the wars, you've already been through the whole process of growing up, becoming an adult, a responsible adult, you start looking at things different. You look at, it, at different things, uh, different issues in a different light than you did when you were young. It's called experience, world experience, adult experience. And it's all tied in with common sense and how things are presented to you, how you analyze them and put them in your mind on what you think of whatever is being said. It's all based on your travels, your ideas, your upbringing, how you got through your adult life, all the things that you learned that were good and bad about whatever. And when you get older... Like I said, like Donald said, Mr. Trump said, you evolve on t- issues and you get more involved with issues and you look at issues through a different, whole different prism. And you get the experience, and that experience as you grow older changes your whole attitude on a lot of things. You learn to study, you don't go off flying off the mouth, you study things. You look at what those things are, whatever the issue may be, and you analyze them, and you process them. And that becomes part of, I don't know what you want to call it, your political DNA, issue-oriented DNA, your religious DNA, whatever. But you know, when he compares Ronald Reagan, and I think I've heard Mr. Trump say this before, he talks about Ronald Reagan in a very admiring way. And I think probably Mr. Ronald Reagan is a secret hero of Mr. Donald Trump. But he went on to say, but Ronald Reagan was the exact same thing when it comes to evolving, experience-based as you grow older. He was fairly liberal as a Democrat, believe a lot of people don't know that, and he became a fairly conservative person. And he did become a great president of the United States of America. We folks, none of us folks who pay attention to politics, none of us folks who love our country and have grown older and got the experience that Mr. Trump is referring to, can't deny the fact that Mr. Ronald Reagan was an absolute head and shoulders above a lot of presidents in modern day era. Mr. Ronald Reagan exuded. Rugged individualism as an American. he exude he, it was the person, he it was the personification of an American male who loved his country, who was involved in World War II, an American male who loved his family, who loved the American people, who loved the Constitution, who loved the military. That's an American male. That's an American male that is not arrogant but confident. Confident in himself. The media knew that from the get-go. It didn't take them long to identify those traits within Ronald Reagan. And they never, ever tried to push the envelope with Mr. Reagan. Because in such a nice way, he would cut him off at the knees. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the Phyllis Schaffler Report. Don't you go away.
2: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly.
5: Antarctica, the frozen continent at the South Pole, has just dealt another setback to the theory of global warming. Researchers announced, to the dismay of the liberals, that Antarctica has actually been gaining ice. This revelation sent shivers through those who have been insisting for two decades that we are somehow in a crisis of global warming. For years, alarmists have blamed an imaginary melting of Antarctic ice for a rise in sea levels. Supposedly, our coastal towns have been threatened by a meltdown in Antarctica, which, in fact, has not been occurring after all. Images of Antarctic ice were taken by satellites and studied by researchers at NASA, the same government agency that runs our space program. The scientists published an article explaining that the size of the South Pole's ice sheet has actually been increasing, not decreasing. The satellite images confirm that mass gains from snow accumulation exceeded discharge losses on the massive continent of Antarctica. Satellite data also confirm that the world has not been warming for at least 17 years. Satellite data are more reliable than surface thermometers, which can be easily manipulated. The left-wingers want to ration energy production, so Americans become more dependent on politicians rather than on the free market to get our energy. Far more people die each year from cold temperatures than from warm ones, and lack of energy is a big cause of poverty all over the world. Many illnesses could be prevented by running water and heat, which depend on the availability of inexpensive energy. The attempt by liberals to control our energy has already cost them support in coal-producing states such as West Virginia, And this new satellite data should help debunk their theory for the rest of the world also.
2: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Is global warming an imaginary threat? Is it authentic science or politics? Is it about the future of humanity or about money and power? At EagleForum.org, a blog with Phyllis Schlafly delivers the latest news and opinions. Add your comments to the Climate Change Blog at EagleForum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International Weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow!
6: Security Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org.
1: Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition, Hump Day in America, Hump Day in the free world. And oh yeah, by the way, we're still getting after lefty. You know you talk about dirty laundry. You talk about soiled laundry, political laundry. The liberal left, the socialist left, the progressive left, the Marxist left, all those people, all those organizations, Code Pink, all those feminists out there that raise holy hell, and they are all in with the Communist Democrat Party when it comes to what the Democrat Party says the Republican Party are doing, waging a war on women. But there's never anything said about Democrat men who have waged a war on women, who have raped women, who have groped women, who have chased women, who have did all kinds of things towards women. And one of the main people that stands out is William Jefferson Clinton. Women have come forward over the decades Blowing the whistle on Bubba Bill. Telling the media, telling the world that that man groped him, exposed himself to him, raped him. Be it. Where's the left? Where's the mainstream media? And where are the feminists? Where are the feminists on all of this? Now, here in the last few weeks, And we'll go back to New Year's Eve. And it was a horrifying night for scores of women, German women, in the German city of Cologne. As large crowds of Middle Eastern and North African Muslim men, mostly Muslims, probably all of them, robbed and sexually assaulted these German women in Cologne. New Year's Eve. And yet, in the aftermath there was scarcely a whimper to be heard from the feminists around the world. Not a whimper. Now there's this lady, Dr. Gina Loudon, and she's a co-author of What Women Really Want, said this feminist silence is likely due to the fact that the perpetrators of the crimes were Muslims, including many recently arrived Muslims in the country of Germany. Feminists and Muslims are part of the same leftist coalition, she said. So feminists cannot criticize Islamic violence against these German women. Now they whine about a so-called Republican war on women, but neglect to mention the rapes, sexual assaults, and other crimes committed against women in what is evidently an official organized adherent Islamic war on Western women she went on to say. Where's the outrage? Where are the burning bras? Where are the code pink protests? uh, Where are they? They they can't say a word. These feminists, they can't say a word. Women are silenced in America lest they risk their statist creed or street creed. You know, I'm a feminist and I'm for all women. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats have been pushing the war on women committed by conservatives. Conservatives are the base of the Republican Party, so we are the ones that are committing all the war on women, according to the Communist Democrat Party and the feminist organizations such as Code Pink and all of that whole damn bunch. But I say, where was the outrage by feminists when women who were raped, droppled, exposed, harassed. Where were they, the feminist, when all this took place by a guy named Bill Clinton? Not a word from the feminist, Not one damn word. But let some conservative Republican do that or do what Clinton done, and they would have been looking at the world through prison bars. Feminists have no validity whatsoever They are just another extension of the Communist Democrat Party. Their ideology and the way liberals, progressive, look at the world. Feminist leaders are narcissistic who want attention, probably because they never got much of that from males through their lives as adults. But you know, there's another lady out there. Her name's Pamela Geller. And we all know who Pamela Geller is. She is a stiff-spine tell it like it is, pull no punches, call a spade a spade when it comes to Muslims or any other issue. And she's the president of America Freedom Defense Initiative. And she authored a book called Stop the Islamization of America. And she agreed feminists are more concerned with their leftist ideology than with the actual well-being of women. This is consistent with feminist denial of Islamic honor killings forced marriages, child marriages, etc. All under the criteria of Islam, said Pam Geller. The feminist cause is not actually feminism or women. Rather, their cause is leftism, satism, and collectivism. Islam is the very definition of statism. There is no unique soul in Islam. Islam is a state, she went on to say. Truth be told, feminists have responded to the cologne sexual assaults, but mostly to deflect blame away from the Islamic men who committed the attacks. The mayor of Cologne, Henrietta Recker, blamed the victims, blamed the German women, saying women and girls need to be better prepared to defend themselves from assaults in the future. Now there's another lady, Tanja, a feminist activist who organized a uh, a protest in Mayhem, Germany, claimed German women had been suffering sexual assaults long before refugees arrived. Many feminists directed their outrage at the people who expressed outrage at the assaults. Feminist writer Lori Penny titled her essay in a New Statesman, and I quote, After Cologne, we can't let... The bigots steal feminism. She's talking about the people who were speaking out against the rapes of their fellow people, the women of Germany. She called them bigots because they said Muslims, Muslim men, were responsible. If you point to a person that's responsible in the eyes of these feminists, you're the bigot. You're the racist. Liberalism. That's the way they think. She went on to chastise Islamophobes and xenophobes for using the clone attacks to demonize Muslim men, Muslim migrants, whatever the hell you want to call them, while not caring about rape culture when non-Muslims are the perpetrators. You see how they turn things around. They always turn things around to protect their own. And their own, these feminists, Because they're all in the same bed. They think the same way. They all look at everything through the same prism as these Muslims do. As these Muslims do. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's so much going on in the world today and it's controlled. A lot of issues are controlled by people like feminists, people like communists, socialists, Marxists, progressives. Liberals, they're all in the same bed together. They all have different brands, but they're all the same cut of cloth. That, uh, I don't know. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, where the world's going to end up at. But if you know, if, if women really want to know who has their backs in the next election... They need to look no further than Islamic war on women and a cover-up by former feminist, Democrat politicians, media, activists. Women who don't like to be raped or sexually assaulted? Well, I think they should vote for the Republican person that will be nominated to run for the White House. I think that person, either Ted Cruz or Donald Trump, will stand against feminists. I don't think they will be afraid, like so many American men are today, to stand up and call these feminists for what they are. And I, Gary Gatehouse, will call them for what they are. They're perverted. They're narrow-minded. They do not believe in democracy. They do not believe in the United States, or they do not believe in the country they're parking their big ass in. They are self-centered, and they believe the whole world, especially the world occupied by men, is after them. Unless they are Muslims, or they're progressives, or socialists, or Marxists, then they're right there with them. We'll be right back.
4: Every day, nearly 4,000 unborn children are denied life and love. National Right to Life is working to change that. For more than 30 years, National Right to Life has worked through education and legislation to make sure that every child is given the opportunity to share their love, their gifts, and their talents with the world. Our work now is more critical than ever. Respect for life is being attacked on all fronts and at all stages. From the tiniest unborn child, to the medically dependent and disabled, to our elderly citizens. It is the support of our members, pro-life men and women from across the country, that helps to advance our cause. Join with National Right to Life and countless other pro-life men and women and make a unified stand for life. This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, www.nrlc.org. That's org.
1: Well, I guess the big debate coming up is the last one before the uh, Iowa caucus. And uh, I don't know who's going to be up there trying to influence who. I guess they're all going to be doing their deal, doing their thing. But the three individuals asking, asking the question, there's one that I want to give you a blast from the past from to kind of give you an idea where that one person is coming from when she talks about issues and when she has a staunch conservative sitting in front of her on her show on Fox News. Have a listen to this. This is a blast from the
7: past. Breaking tonight, new outrage and backlash over an incendiary comment about the President of the United States by the man they call America's mayor. Last night, Rudy Giuliani, the man who led New York City through the 9-11 attacks, was speaking at a private dinner. In the audience was White House hopeful Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, and dozens of Republican bigwigs. Mayor Giuliani saying to the crowd, quote, I do not believe, and I know this is a horrible thing to say, but I do not believe that the president loves America. He doesn't love you and he doesn't love me. He wasn't brought up the way you were brought up, and I was brought up, through love of this country. The backlash was quick, and it was harsh.
8: I'm just sorry to hear that, and I, I find it wrong in every possible way that it can be wrong. A Republican Party said that the president
7: doesn't love us and doesn't love the country. If the Republican Party really wants to be taken seriously, really wants to avoid its problems of the past, now is the time for its leaders to stop this kind of nonsense. Enough! The president's team also getting involved today. The deputy White House press secretary, Eric Schultz, taking a shot at the mayor over his failed run for president, saying, quote, Mr. Giuliani test drove this line of attack during his fleeting 2007 run for the presidency. I agree with him on one thing. It was a horrible thing to say. Here now to respond former New York City mayor and former Republican presidential candidate Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayor, do you want to apologize for
0: your comment? <laughs> Not at all. I want to repeat it. Uh, the reality is, I, uh, from all that I can see of this president, all that I've heard of him, he apologizes for America. He criticizes America. He talks about the Crusades and how the Christians were barbarians. Leaves out the second half of the sentence, that the Muslims were barbarians also. He uh, sees Christians slaughtered and doesn't stand up and hold a press conference, although he holds a press conference for the situation in in Ferguson. He sees Jews being killed for anti-Semitic reasons, doesn't stand up and hold a press conference. This is an American president I've never seen before. But to
7: say that he doesn't love America, I mean, that he could view foreign policy as a Democrat might view it and through a different lens than you, a Republican, might see it. You can understand the differences between you, but to condemn his patriotism, to question his love of America?
0: I'm not condemning his patriotism. Patriots patriots can can criticize. They're allowed to criticize. Uh, I don't hear from him what I heard from Harry Truman, what I heard from Bill Clinton, what I heard from Jimmy Carter, which is these wonderful words about what a great country we are, what an exceptional country we are when he called us an exceptional country he said we are an, ex- an exceptional country but so is greece mm-hmm. back uh, 3000 doesn't it mean he doesn't america. love america well i have
7: a, a lot of liberals don't believe in american exceptionalism but that doesn't mean they don't
0: love america well i, I don't feel it i don't feel it i don't feel this love of america I think this man was, when I talk about his background, I'm talking about a man who grew up under the influence of Frank Marshall Davis, who was a member of the Communist Party, who he refers to over and over in his book, who was a tremendous critic of the United States. This this is a man who worked under Saul who was a tremendous critic of the United States. I believe his initial... Approach is to criticize this country, and then afterwards to say a few nice things about us. So
7: when you say that he wasn't raised to love America, I mean he was raised in part by his grandparents. His his grandfather his served in World War II. God. His grandmother worked in a mun- munitions plant to help the nation during World War II. I mean to suggest he was raised by people who don't love America or who don't didn't help him learn to love America. Well,
0: his grand his grandfather introduced him to Frank Marshall. Davis who was a communist who the president he says fought he, spent, the United,
7: he fought in World War Two. Okay,
0: you can fight in World War Two, and then you introduce someone to a communist and the young boy gets... It's a political
7: trendy. world view. It's not a hatred for the
0: country. Communism wasn't a hatred for I'm America? I'm talking
7: about this particular, his grandfather, if he had a leftist view of how politics in the United States should run, does that mean well, he doesn't well, love America? Well, okay. Does it mean his
0: grandson well, doesn't? Uh, Kelly, how about being in a church for 17 years where the minister of the church says it's not God uh, loves America, but God damn America. Now, if you were in that church, wouldn't you quit that church? i mean would, me you, would you, this. you No, I'm, I'm going to ask you that. Would you quit that church? Well, listen, I, that, it's, uh, not, it's not you? about me, but it's not, it's not no. about me. But I want to ask but, you this but because... But I know you would quit that church. And the reason you would is because you were brought up about how exceptional this country is, how wonderful this country is. I am saying, and I may be wrong it's my opinion and I'm entitled to it. Mm -hmm. I do not detect in this man the same rhetoric the same language, the same love of America that I detected in other American presidents including Democrats. And I think it guides a lot of the things that he says and a lot of the things that
7: he does. Let me ask you this. So, I mean, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she's all upset about what she said. Well, she's always Just, always just upset. for the record, she, she didn't condemn Barack Obama when he called George W. Bush unpatriotic. She had no problem with that. And she has said a lot of I did, things. I did not call him unpatriotic. I know, but she, she suggested you did, and she had an, ish, an issue not. with that. She Barack Obama actually did call George W. Bush unpatriotic, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz had no problem with that. What I want to ask you, though, because I have you here in instead of her, okay, is you went on Hannity's show back in 2007 when you were running, and this is back when General Petraeus was was testifying before Congress on the Iraq war and the surge and defending it, and MoveOn.org had taken out an ad of the New York Times calling him General Petraeus. And you were upset about that. You had the following exchange. I want to ask you whether it
9: still stands. The reports that you provide to us
0: really require the willing suspension of disbelief. It comes on the same day as the .org ad in the New York Times accusing General Petraeus of being a traitor. This is a despicable attack. Hillary uh, Clinton should um, disown and condemn .org. You actually said these times call for statesmanship, not politicians spewing political venom. Yeah, you know, I mean, what, what, what kind of civility is that?
7: So I ask you the same thing. What kind of civility is I think is it was that?
0: perfectly civil. I think that is a perfectly reasonable opinion. But the president, in his comments, if we look at all of his rhetoric, has not displayed the kind of love of America, the kind of love of American exceptionalism that other American presidents have displayed. That he has gone abroad and criticized us over and over again, mm-hmm. apologize for us. Every time he does it, it embarrasses me. I was in Europe a lot this summer and this fall, and all I heard about is the bigoted American police departments, and I never heard the president of the United States defend the policemen of America, 800,000 of which put their lives on the line for us.
7: What about what about the, the critics who say you've hurt the GOP? Because now you've got some people coming out and saying, these Republicans, this is how they are. I mean, that's what Debbie Washington, she wants Scott Walker to disavow your. Comments. She, I mean, she, she's the head of the DNC. Well,
0: but, but, do you think you hurt the Republican brand? I, I, I do not think I did. And the last time uh, all the candidates for president wanted me removed from office was when I brought the RICO case against the Teamsters Union. The only one who didn't was uh, was George Bush. Accusing them of racketeering. Uh, and, and that case was just settled successfully after 30 years of changing the Teamsters Union. I'm right about this. I have no doubt about it. I do not withdraw my words. If the president goes and makes a speech and talks about what a great country this is, if the president could complete the following sentence, during the crusades, the Christians were barbarians and so were the Muslims. If the president could say Islamic fundamentalist terrorism is our enemy, I will applaud the president. But until he does that, I will have doubts about his emotions, his feelings, his attitudes, and the way in which he developed. We haven't even mentioned some of the other communists and leftists who educated him as a young man. But all we need is, uh, is, is Reverend Wright, 17 years in that church, and that man condemned America over and over and over again, and he remained a member of that church. Uh, I he would have. wasn't there for those sermons. Uh, uh, he, the other parishioners didn't tell him about it? I would have walked out of that church in two dawn seconds because I love my country. Mr. Mayor, thanks for being here. Thank you.
1: This is the same lady, Megan Kelly, that's going to be part of the Gang of Three, that are going to be asking the questions during the final debate before or leading up to the Iowa caucuses, Megyn Kelly. She was sitting there in her little chair, being all feisty and such as she is, chastising the mayor, Mayor Giuliani, for saying the words that Obama does not love America or Americans. We all know this to be true. And he laid it out, the argument, based on what he looked at And what Obama's done and said up to that time as President of the United States, even the Republican Party were dismayed with what Mayor Giuliani said. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was talking to Republicans saying, you ought to be ashamed of yourself that one of your own says things like this about our beloved President Barack Hussein Obama Jr. And Megyn Kelly is up there asking Mr. Giuliani, if he would like to apologize for what he said to Obama. And you know what? Ob- uh, Giuliani said no. Hell no. Paraphrasing now. I'm not going to apologize. This is the way it is. Again, Megan Kelly asked Rudy Giuliani if he wanted to apologize for his comments on President Obama. Mr. Giuliani fired back, not at all. I want to repeat it. You know, when the Gary Gatehouse radio show talks about a president that we are going to need that stands up against both the left and the right leadership, the mealy-mouthed, spineless, hiding under their desk, Republican leadership, Boehner, Ryan, the whole bunch, McConnell, and most of the Republican Party, That houses themselves inside the beltway, in the halls of Congress, either the House of Representatives or Senate. They're afraid to speak out and say what they have, they know in their minds and hearts is true. What Rudy Giuliani said is true. We, the people, know what Rudy Giuliani said is true. We know it. That's why we want nothing to do with Congress. We want nothing to do with inside the beltway pundits or people like Megyn Kelly or Fox News who parades endless uh, liberals out there in front of the television screen, giving them a platform nationally and internationally to spew their lies, their progressive ideas and ideology. And then Megyn Kelly sat there and asked Rudy Giuliani if he wanted to apologize for comments about Obama when she should have asked, do you think Obama should apologize to the American people, to Christians, on what he has said about them do you think, Mr. Giuliani, that Obama and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Republican leadership and the Democrat leadership and liberals and socialists and Marxists and progressives and the mainstream media, don't you think that they maybe should apologize to the American people? But that question was never asked. She asked again, and I'll say it. Rudy Giuliani, do you want to apologize for comments about, that you made about President Barack Hussein Obama Jr.? You know, ladies and gentlemen, like Rudy Giuliani said, Obama has shown no indication that he loves the Constitution. He never talks about capitalism. He's always bringing up the past, picking at scabs. Even now, he's a patsy for Islamic terror Terrorism. Half his speeches are about how terrible America is. That's a truism. It's true. Regardless of what liberals and people like Megan Kelly and the Republican leadership and the Democrats and Hollywood and the whole damn bunch of you, regardless of how you deny all that as being the truth, come November of 2016, the truth is going to smack all you folks right between the eyes. When we put a person in the house, the White House, the people's house, who you will not have control of politically, who you cannot buy, who you cannot influence from your positions in your little ivory towers inside the beltway, all of you status quo people that are infected by the, I don't give a damn, America doesn't count except for us, virus that perpetuates you folks, you political whores, and you the mainstream media, the political whores, you're the pimps. Come November of this year, all of that crap's gonna stop. And once again, we're going to have a person in the White House that speaks for we the people. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show. Wednesday edition. Getting after Lefty. And it's on the hour now, and we have to break for the five-minute news. When we come back, we got a whole lot more to talk about, so don't you go away. We'll be right back.
5: You are listening to the Gary's Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break.
2: Live from New York, the Fox reports.
3: And Lisa Brady, they're battling for every vote in Iowa. I want us to
9: deploy a half a billion more solar panels by the end of my first term.
3: And enough clean energy to power every home by the end of my second term. Hillary Clinton holding her first of three events today, leading Bernie Sanders by just six points in Iowa in a new Fox poll just six days away from the caucuses. On the Republican side, the top two pulling away in the latest polls. Fox News Radio's Jared Halpern, live in Washington.
2: Senator Ted Cruz is hoping for a surge in the Iowa campaign's final days. He's polling behind Donald Trump, asking supporters to vote ten times. I'm not suggesting voter fraud. But if everyone here gets nine other
5: people to come out and caucus next Monday night, you will
2: have voted ten times. A Quinnipiac University poll shows Senator Marco Rubio running third in Iowa. America is a special country.
6: Many of the things that make us special seem and feel
2: like they are slipping away. The entire Republican field meets once more before the voting. A pair of Fox News debates Thursday in Des Moines. Lisa.
3: Jared, concern about the mosquito-borne Zika virus is growing in the U.S. United Airlines now says customers with tickets to countries hit by the virus can postpone or get refunds. And the CDC and American Academy of Pediatrics are out with new guidelines for doctors delivering newborns whose mothers may have been exposed.
1: This includes directions to pediatricians if a child is born with the prime medical. medical
6: concern of microcephaly, a condition where the baby's head is too small. Fox
3: Radio's Eben Brown. The Arkansas Health Department says a resident who traveled out of the U.S. to an affected region has tested positive for Zika. Wall Street rebounds. The Dow up 282 points as oil prices jumped. On the Fox Report, fair and balanced.
2: All right, I know this isn't any fun to talk about, but we should so who's going to do what flashlights
5: Nowhere to be found
2: Where to be found. Batteries dead great Emergency supply kits
4: not packed not
2: pa- What about blankets?
4: We have an old towel
2: good enough cell phones
4: may not work
2: uh, Emergency water
4: not a drop
2: and what about food? Nope perfect We all know where we're meeting if we're separated, yeah?
4: The library! Aunt Joan's house. The bus stop. Great.
2: And I'll be waiting here wondering where you all are. Sounds like we don't have a plan. Who's up for mini golf? Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov
0: slash kids for tips and information. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
3: Six Cleveland police officers fired, six others suspended because of their roles in the shooting deaths of two unarmed people after a high-speed chase in 2012. Officers fired 137 shots. Only one of the officers faced criminal charges, and he was acquitted in May. Cleveland Patrolmen's Association President Steve Loomis. Loomis
8: is going to be the bad guy because I'm going to go get their jobs back, folks. And I promise you, they're going to get their jobs back.
1: Every single one of them.
3: He says the suspects put themselves in a boxed-in situation and drove their car at officers. More information about the three inmates still on the run after escaping from a Southern California jail Friday.
6: Investigators believe two are being hidden locally by a Vietnamese gang. The third, originally from Iran, may already be out of the country. Twice before, Hussein Nairi fled to Iran to escape charges. The two others, Jonathan Tu and Bac Duong, have ties to the local Vietnamese community. Duong does not speak English.
3: Fox's William Lajeunesse, two county jail policies are under investigation now, including keeping violent inmates in a dorm instead of individual cells and only conducting a head count twice a day. Actor Abe Vigoda has died best known for the 1970s TV series Barney Miller, first gaining fame for his role as old family friend Sal Tessio in The Godfather. vagoda's acting career started in 1949. He worked
7: until 2008, but it was Barney Miller that brought him national recognition.
0: Then they jumped to the bank. The old guy just went bang, zoom, boom. What do you think, you're playing with
7: kids? He was such
3: a beloved character, he
7: even had his own spin-off series, aptly named Fish. Fox
3: Radio's Michelle Polino. Abe Vigoda was 94, his Daughter says he died in his sleep at her house in new jersey of natural causes apple just announcing its bracing for its first sales decline in 13 years even though it sold a record number of iphones in the final quarter of last year
4: fox news radio
2: well lookie here a new listener hey this ain't your little sister's radio
0: station
4: You are listening to the Gary
1: Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, thank you, darling. Welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Getting after that day. You know, I want to direct these comments to all my brothers and sisters, all my patriots, all my friends that live in Great Britain. And to my mate who lives down in London, Mr. Stephen Lang owner, operator, financier, the man that's got all the money, the man that's got that smooth British voice, the man who owns and operates Restoration Radio, United Kingdom, by, by, by the way. Gary Gatti House Radio Show is featured on that show. Weekdays and back-to-back shows on the weekends. All you folks in Great Britain... Oh, you folks in England. You folks that listen to the show know that Gary Gatehouse spent the whole decade of of the 70s living amongst you in England. And like I've said many times, I fell in love with your country. I fell in love with the people of England, their attitude, their way of looking at things. But now it seems that everything that I admired, everything that I really looked up to when it came to the British people, their tenacity, their taking on even the biggest problems and working them out. It seems like a lot of that drive, that initiative, that tenacity for some reason has faded away, especially in your leaders over there. Now I read a news article the other day that was very alarming. I know it was bad in England. I know it was bad. It is bad in London. All points north, south, east, and west in that island when it comes to Muslims. But there was a headline that caught my eye and It said, Islamic rage erupts over Christian march. It went on to say, Muslims mobbed, swarms Christian group and told them, we're taking over. A mob of Muslim men swarmed a group of Christian activists on British streets and said they were taking over the country. They were taking over England. Members of the political party Britain first held what it claims is the first Christian patrol through the streets of Berry Park, Luton. And there was a video posted to YouTube on this last Saturday shows a swarm of of Muslim men converging on this Christian group of 20 cross-carrying Christians. And these Muslims, these muzzies, this third world trash from the Middle East, told these Christians, told these English folks, my brothers and sisters over there, they said to them, you're jealous that we're taking over. We're effing hate you and Muslims will take over. Watch! Two others scream as cops descended on the scene. Now the leader of the Christian group, Paul Golding, and Deputy Jada Franson, said the activists were there to walk through the town, hand out newspapers, and proudly display their faith in Christ. This is a British town, they said. I'll come here if I like. I'll walk here, and I'll walk where I like, Franson told a group of men, asking why they why they were in Luton. Franson and his fellow activists eventually made it through a gauntlet of jeers, threats, and explicit language before again addressing the camera. We just literally got mobbed. Muslims came back from every angle. Muslims told us They're taking our country. We're not welcome in our own country. It's not a Christian country. They're taking over and we need to leave. We need to leave our own country. They were threatening violence. People tried to attack me. People tried to attack our activists. They're throwing things. This is a British town. This is Britain. Now local interfaith worker Peter Adams of St. Mary's Church responded to Britain's first march on money, saying the group corrupted the message of the cross as a symbol of reconciliation, forgiveness, and selfless love. Britain's first said many of its critics who handed out flowers in the neighborhood after the march were trendy, politically correct, tree hugging, sandal wearing hippies who were, who only care about multiculturalism. Britain's first video was released on day prior to British government's announcement that it may take in another 3,000 child refugees, as they call them, Muslims, from Syria. International Development Secretary Justine Greening told Sky News on Sunday that it was the right thing to do. Prime Minister David Cameron previously committed to taking 20,000 Muslims from the Middle East over the next five years. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never visited or had the opportunity to visit England, the island, it is an island, and it's not a huge island. If you've ever had the opportunity to visit England, It is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world once you get outside the metropolitan areas. I fell in love with the countryside. And again, I fell in love with the people. And England, Great Britain, has always been Christian. For the longest time in the modern era, they have always been Christian. But somewhere along the line, a lot of the English folks lost touch with their Christian religion and became activists for multiculturalism, political correctness. And it's got them in big trouble. I just illustrated what some Christians did standing for their faith, walking through the streets of Luton and were accosted by Muslims, Muslims from the Middle East that are now planted their raggedy asses in England. And told the English people, the Christians, to get the hell out of England. It wasn't their country anymore. That the Muslims owned it. And then you had English people coming out after the Christians marched through Luton, and they came out and they responded by bowing down to the Muslims, handing out flowers in the neighborhood. I guess to tell the Muslims they're sorry that fellow Englishmen acted the way they did. Even the vicar of the church or interfaith worker Peter Adams of St. Mary's Church when he responded to what transpired to Britain's first march on Monday and he said the group corrupted the message of the cross as a symbol of reconciliation, forgiveness and selfless love. Well, to that interfaith worker and to all you folks in England who believe as the interfaith worker Peter Adams of St. Mary's Church believes that these brave individuals who walk through the streets of Luton carrying the cross of Christianity and claiming that England is actually theirs, which it is, they are English, all of you folks that bow down to multiculturalism, bow down to political correctness, and kiss the feet of this third world trash that now occupies most major cities of England, I feel sorry for you as British folks. You've lost touch with the reality of the situation. It is your country. It is not the Muslims' country. And when you have a man of faith Christian faith saying that those brave souls who marched through Luton with the cross those English folks and he said that the group was corrupted the message of the cross as a symbol of reconciliation forgiveness and selfless love let me say this to you Mr. Peter Adams. Christians down through history have always been kicked in the teeth, thrown through the lions, pushed around by Muslims and other religious organ- groups. But in modern day today, if you don't stand up for what you believe, and I don't care if you have to get physical, they these people, the Muslims, and their so-called religion of peace are going to steal your country from you. And eventually, somewhere down the road, Christians of England, those who still profess their faith and stand for it, up for it, I'm sure Mr. Peter Adams, in the whole heated battle, would not stand up for his Christian faith if his head was on the line, on the chopping block. But those who, those Christians who still believe in the Almighty and Jesus Christ and their Christian religion. If things tend the way they are going now in England, someday in the news we here in America, if we're still around, might see Christians paraded out in the streets of Luton or in Piccadilly Square or downtown in Edgware Road somewhere in England, everywhere in England, and Muslims who then by all purposes will own England, lock, stock, and barrel, cutting these Christians' heads off. Just like we see in videos from the Middle East. They have brought that belief of Islam with them. They didn't leave it in the Middle East when they came to your country. They didn't leave it in the Middle East when they came to Germany and France and Italy and Europe. They didn't leave their ideas, their Islamic ideas, perverted as they are. They didn't leave all of that in England, in the the Middle East, in Syria, whatever country they came from over there. They brought it with them. They brought it with them. And what they believe, the Koran, Islam, is perverted, it's diabolical. Yet it seems that there are a lot of English people, a lot of British people who have yet to waken up to the fact that their country is being taken away from them. And like that one guy said, these people that bowed down to the Muslims after these folks, these Christians left Luton, well, they're nothing but trendy, politically correct, tree-hugging, sandal-wearing hippies who only care about multiculturalism. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, we have to take a big lesson from what is transpiring in England. When we talk about multiculturalism here, a lot of people on the left and even some on the right, I'm talking about leadership, etc., have bought into multiculturalism. Multiculturalism is being taught in our schools multiculturalism is being taught in our schools political correctness is part of the curricula in our schools and colleges here and across the pond in Europe Great Britain it is telling the people of our respective countries that when these Muslims come to our country we have to bow down and respect what they bring with them their ideology their so-called religion we have to respect it but they do not have to respect ours. Why? Because their religion says so. Their religion says that anybody that does not believe in Islam and will not convert is a enemy of Islam, enemy of Muslims. The Quran teaches that. The Quran says that. When will America, when will Europe finally wake up to the fact that Muslims can never assimilate into our countries? They can never do it! Because the Quran, through its directives and teachings, Islam says they can't. They can't owe their allegiance to any other country. They only owe their allegiance to Mecca. They can't owe their allegiance to anybody except fellow Muslims who practiced Islam. If you're a Christian, you are an enemy. If you're a Buddhist, you're an enemy. If you're not Islamic, if you're not a Muslim, or if you're not a convert from being an infidel, a convert to being a Muslim and practicing practicing Islam in the mosque, you are an enemy. And you can be dealt with according to the Quran in two ways. They can cut your head off, they can kill you, or they can own you and trade you as a slave. That's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you get it yet? Multiculturalism is a lie. Political correctness is a tool of the left that is being used by Muslims against us. It's time we all wake up. It's time we in America wake up. You know ladies and gentlemen of America, being a fool for so long when it comes to all those things that are going on outside our borders, being isolated and only paying attention to the things that go inside, go on inside our borders, not paying attention to all those things that impact on us. As individuals, our families, our children, future generations is going to jump up and bite us right square in the ass. And we have to look no further. We have to look no further than the implications and the impact of assuming that mode of thought. We have to look no further than England and Europe. This is Gary Gatehouse and we'll be back After a few short messages, don't go away. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on Restoration Radio International. We'll be right back.
6: What does it mean to have marriage or even same-sex marriage left to the states to have a definition, one definition in one state, a different definition in another state? Some people say that that's part of the Tenth Amendment. Conservatives say that's a state rights issue. Others say, no, you can't just simply leave the definition of marriage to the states. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Matt Barber, the founder of barbwire.com. Matt, let me begin by just saying this. I am someone who believes in limited government. I know you are too. And we believe certainly in states' rights. And we believe that the federal government has a limited role. I think we all would agree that the federal government, specifically the U.S. Supreme Court, does not have the right to redefine marriage and impose that on all 50 states and territories. The question, though, that we want to address is, do the states have the right to have their own definition of marriage? We're not talking about regulating the edges of marriage, how you get into it, how you get out of it, whether there are certain kinds of support versus not support, but the actual definition of marriage. Can, in fact, one state have a definition that marriage is the union of a man and a woman, and another state have a definition that no, it's between two people of the same sex, And a third state have a definition that it could be polygamy or polyamory, so it could be group marriage. Is that something that's consistent with the Constitution? Is it consistent with natural law? And is it workable? That's the question we want to address.
8: Well, and and of course the answer is is no. I mean, I I've, we hear a lot of uh, even conservative and evangelical Christians and and folks that I that I have a great deal of respect for. I think having a fundamental misunderstanding about the institution of marriage. The institution of marriage is not something that we can define. That anyone can be defined. It is. What it is, God has defined marriage. Biology defines marriage as between a man and a woman. So, e- even for the states to presume to to redefine an institution that is cannot that is immutable, that cannot be redefined, is is
6: well outside the purview of, of even any state legislator, uh, legislature. That's right. You know, the there are certain things that transcend the power of any earthly government to enact. And there are certain things that I think people would agree upon. These are things that that cut across denominations, religions, time, history, and political ideology. One of those is the sanctity of human life. That has been something that has been treasured from the beginning. We have a belief that life is sacred. You want to protect your own life, therefore you also protect another person's life, because if you don't protect their life, then your life also is protected, and everyone has this own self-preservation, this idea of life. It's actually reflected in the Declaration of Independence, that there are certain unalienable rights that come from our Creator, and government has the duty to protect those rights, including, and it's not an exhaustive list, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those come from a higher authority, a higher law, and the earthly government has a right, a duty to protect those liberties. But also something that is in the same category as life is also marriage. And as you said, biologically, objectively, immutably, there's men and women, male and female. They are designed for one another. We know that they are complementary sexes from which our future generation occurs, and you can't change that no matter how you ultimately uh, try through the legislature, through the state supreme courts, or through some referendum of the people. It is what it is. Now, we have the right to regulate it, to be able to give benefits to it, tax exemption for families, those kinds of things, certain benefits, certain uh, monetary uh, help, spousal um, insurance coverage and things like that, but you can't redefine the institution itself. It is what it is.
8: Well, you you can no more redefine the institution of marriage than you can, you know, redefine gravity. You can't suspend the laws of marriage. The laws of marriage inherently require the binary compatibility between male and female. That is what marriage is. And, and you can say we are going to suspend the laws of marriage and reconstruct the laws of marriage to mean something that marriage doesn't. But that's just like saying, you know, we're going to take this apple, we're going to paint it orange, we're going to call it an orange. Well, guess what? It's, it's not an orange. It's still an apple with red paint on it. It's a counterfeit. And same-sex marriage is just a rotten apple by another name. It, it's, it's, it's a painted over uh... apple and they're calling it something that it is not and uh... though they may try you know it just simply cannot be done and and unfortunately i think even as we've mentioned in the onset here i think even a number of of conservatives have a misunderstanding of that
6: reality that's true and then you know you would agree i think everyone would agree that you couldn't have uh... the state saying that we're going to allow human genocide and that's okay we're going to allow the destruction of Jews and that's okay. Why? Because we voted on it. Why? Because the Supreme Court of the state said it's okay. Why? Because the legislature gave us that law. No, it doesn't matter. That's not okay. That is contrary to a natural law, certainly contrary to revealed laws. Well, it's contrary to the deeply held beliefs that we share uh, that are not just be- based upon the uniqueness of Florida or Alabama or New Jersey, But those transcend those geographical and political, even uh, religious, lines. Marriage is also in that same category. And by the way, even uh, if you were to redefine and have one state one way, one state another way, here's what happens. Person has same-sex marriage in New York, but not, say for example, in Florida. So they get married in New York and then they move to Florida. Then they want to get a divorce. What's Florida do with it? What happens if they die? Uh, And do they go back to the, you know, it's all, you cannot have this uh, patchwork because of the interconnection between these people migrating from one state to the other and then claiming certain benefits in that particular state. Uh, You certainly cannot have that in any given situation when you redefine the essence of marriage. Moreover, if you redefine the essence of marriage to be something that it is objectively cannot be, here's what you're saying. Boys and girls, you don't need a mother and a father. That it's okay to be raised. We're going to allow our children to be raised. We're going to encourage people to be raised in a home where they never will have the opportunity for a father figure, never have the opportunity for a mother figure. That ultimately hurts children, and it affects us in the greater society. We have an obligation for not only our future children, but our future security within the society. And we need the best kind of environment in which children are raised, and that's a home with a mother and a father. When you remove the male or female from the home and then you negativize the absent gender, it's a double whammy. The gender's removed, the absent gender's got a negative spin put on it because of its absence and because of the two... People of the same sex not wanting the other figure to be in the home. It really damages children. Same-sex marriage is an oxymoron. It's contrary to natural revealed law. It's contrary to millennia of human history, and it hurts children in our society.
8: Well, Matt, this is the secular left's modus operandi. When when they don't like objective reality, they they pretend it doesn't exist, and they try to redefine and change the terms and by way of analogy. It would be like the some one state saying, "We're going to change the definition of the word murder be, uh, under the existing abortion laws in the United States. We're going to say that it, you can, it is not murder until a person is five years old. Therefore, you can have an, a illegal abortion of someone up to a five-year-old because they're not. Uh, it's not technically murder, under our definition, if they are under five.
6: That's right. So, I, I would encourage you to uh, understand the difference between a state's rights, and yes, states do have rights, but they don't have right to define something that is part of a natural created order, and this comes from God Himself, our Creator, already defined, already created male and female, already created the institution of marriage, and we have no right to redefine His created order. For more information, visit Liberty Council's website, lc.org. Liberty Council is on the front line of advancing religious freedom, the sanctity of human life from conception through natural death, and marriage and family, particularly the union of a man and a woman in marriage. For more information, visit lc.org or call us at 407-875-1776. Keep us informed about what's happening in your communities Get some of our educational material. You can go to our online stores for some of our Patriots Handbooks that cover a wide variety of information, Israel, religious liberty, political activity of pastors and churches, and much more. The Second Amendment and many other topics in the Patriots Handbook series. You can get all of them. Go to Liberty Council's website for more information. Support Liberty Council financially. Without you, we could not do what we're doing, representing individuals across the country free of charge. Pray for us, support the ministry, lc.org.
2: You have been listening to Faith and Freedom with Matt Staver of Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Working together, we can make a difference. Get informed and stay involved. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. That's lc.org. And tune in next time right here for Faith and Freedom.
1: Well, I guess this song could kind of fit right in with Hillary and uh, all her escapades and denials and hand-wringing and shedding a few tears once in a while. You know, uh, Hillary was asked here the other day, if she was willing to say it was an error in judgment with all this server stuff and all that, an error in judgment, but she said no i'm not I'm not ready I'm not really willing to say it was an error in judgment because nothing that I did was wrong. Nothing I did was wrong, and do these people in the media think that all she has to say is yeah, I forgot. I, it was an error in judgment. I I had those servers put in uh, mom and pop's uh, bathroom and I had uh, uh, all that top secret and above information on it. It was just an error in judgment. And do the media think that it will all go away if she just says it was error in judgment? Listen to this.
8: On that issue, the Des Moines Register, as we said earlier, gave you an endorsement.
2: They did question your judgment, though, when it came to the email issue. They said, and you know this, but for the audience, in 2008, quote, when she says, when she makes a mistake, she should just say so. This weekend, they said, that's a lesson that you have not learned. Uh, Yes, you apologize, but only when you needed to, not when you first could have. Fair criticism?
9: Well, I think that there, you know, look, I was delighted to get the... The Register's uh, endorsement, and it was a a very generous one. And yes, I I think that's a fair criticism. You know, I. I had, I had no intention of doing other th- anything other than having a convenient way of communicating, and it turned out not to be so convenient. So again, we've answered every question and we will continue to do so. Uh, but, you know, maybe being faster, trying to scramble around to find out what all of this means, I probably should have done that
2: quicker. You're willing to say it was an error in judgment? You should have apologized?
9: No, I'm not willing to say it was an error in judgment because what nothing that I did was wrong. It was not it was not in any way prohibited and not
0: apologizing so, sooner I mean
9: well apologizing sooner as soon as you can but part of the problem and i would just say this as not an excuse but just as an explanation when some when you're when you're facing something like that you got to get the facts and it takes time to get the facts and so when i said hey take all my emails make them public that had never been done before ever by anybody and so we've been sorting our way through this because it is kind of a unique situation i'm happy people are looking at the email. Some of them are, you know, frankly a little a little embarrassing. Um, you know, you can find out that sometimes I'm not the best on technology and things like that. But look, I think it's great. Let people sort them through and as we have seen there is a lot of, you know, a lot of interest but it's something that uh, took time to get done.
1: Now their folks is a liar. Their folks is an accomplished liar. She stands up in front of hundreds of people in front of CNN audience and lies through her teeth. When she said she was more than happy to give over her emails for the, uh, the people to investigate and look at, it took a court order. The Hillary people, including herself, stonewalled for months, including the State Department. For months they stonewalled and drugged their feet it took a court order before she gave up her emails, after she deleted hundreds, if not thousands of them. She stood there in front of God, and, and she doesn't have a God. The only God Hillary Clinton has is a God of power, and a God of control, and the God of money. She has no moral compass. She has no conscience. She's as immoral as anybody can ever be. Yes, she tries to pass herself off as an individual, just a sweet little lady that just just wants to help the American people. Just wants to be president of the United States of America. The first woman breaking that glass ceiling, as she says. I gotta ask you, all you women out there, all of you that back Hillary Clinton. Now I'm not going to talk about the men that back her because they're a bunch of wusses. They're a bunch of wusses that probably say, "Yes, dear, I dare," and jump. How high must I jump, dear? Can I go to the toilet, dear? Can I drive the car, dear? I'm talking about you women out there that sign on with Hillary Clinton all you leftists, all you lefties, all you baby boomer women, all you young women out there. Now I realize 99% of you have never ever been exposed to the reality of the truth. You've always lived in that liberal bubble where the truth means nothing to you. You sit there and let people like Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi, and Harry Reid—that whole bunch—the Democrat Party, the Democrat leadership—you let them dictate to you through the mainstream media, which is the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party. They dictate to you what you will and will not believe. They tell you—I guess you believe it's the news. It's nothing but misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda disguised as the news that the mainstream media presents to you as the news. And you buy into it 100%. You're all in with Hillary. Why? Can you tell me why? Can you tell me one damn thing that that rotten old lady has done that is good, that is moral? can you you can't she is a worthless piece of human flesh and she like I said is an accomplished liar she's had decades to practice her trade lying at every chance she gets but you know, recent reports quote the intelligence community inspector generals saying that a few of those emails contained information with a classification beyond top secret. More than a thousand of Clinton's emails released by the State Department had been redacted. Information withheld because it, in retrospect, it is deemed to be too damn sensitive for public consumption. But despite the ongoing controversy, none of the voters at Tuesday night's Communist news network CNN sponsored town hall asked Clinton about the national security implications of her decision to use a private server. Hillary once again lying, standing up as, presenting herself as just an innocent little old lady. Poor me, I just I'm just a woman. I didn't mean no harm. I'm gladly gave all my emails. Lie. And like I said, those emails were handed over because of court order. And we folks out here in the mid- in the in the Midwest, we folks in down south, we folks in the flyover country, we folks west of the Mississippi. We ask ourselves, we ask our families, we talk amongst ourselves. Is that broad going to be prosecuted? Is that broad in the pantsuit going to be indicted? Is that line I'm not going to use the word. starts with a B. Is she going to be prosecuted, indicted, and prosecuted? And you know what we always answer amongst ourselves? No. I think she's going to get away with everything. Because you see the politically elite take care of their own and one more thing Hillary probably has a lot of dirt on a lot of people up there inside the beltway the district of corruption before we move on and talk about some other things other than Hillary Clinton some people believe that she is going to be indicted listen to
2: this we had the former Attorney General of the United States, Michael Mukasey, earlier, who uh, says that, uh, you know, he gave me a bunch of reasons why charges are warranted
9: uh, against Hillary Clinton. He also said that uh, the President could order the Justice Department,
7: the, uh, the Attorney General, um, not to uh, pursue criminal charges, no matter what the
2: FBI says or does uh, against Hillary. So uh, what do you think will happen? Because as the days go by, the evidence keeps mounting. Well, Steve,
0: I have friends that are in the FBI and they tell me they're ready they're ready to indict they're ready to recommend an indictment um, and they also say that um, if, if the Attorney General does not indict they're going public so one way or another either she's going to be indicted um, and, and that process begins or we try her in the public eye with her campaign one way or another she's going to have to face these charges
1: That was Tom DeLay making those comments about trying Hillary in the public eye if those charges are not brought forward by the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Justice with Loretta Lynch. Mr. DeLay, I have to tell you this. We don't believe that she's going to be indicted. Most Americans believe that she's going to get away with it. And if she's tried in the public eye, you have to think of this, Mister Delay. Those supporters who support her will will uh, pass it off as something that the right wing conspiracy, as Hillary says, is doing all this, and Hillary's just an innocent bystander. She must be indicted. For the sake of the intelligence communities and the sake of the security of the United States of America, that woman must be indicted and fined and put in prison. If that was any individual in the intelligence community, the head of the CIA, the head of NSA or DIA or NRO, if it was any of those individuals or any intelligence operative like I served as for 31 years, If we were to do what Hillary Clinton did and were caught doing it, there wouldn't be any questions asked. We would lose our clearance, we would lose our jobs, and we would pay a fine, and we would go to federal prison. No doubt in my mind, that was hammered in my head for 31 years along with every individual that served and handled top secret clearance top secret information and higher such as I and uh, hundreds and maybe thousands of people like myself in the past and present have done and are doing to say she will be tried in the public eye that's not enough that's not enough it's time that she be put her feet be put to the fire damn it her and her damn bu- Bubba husband, Bill Clinton, have got away with murder and everything else for decades. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I am so vehement about this. I am so wrapped up about this because I am an individual, like I said, that served my country for 31 years as an intelligence operative along with all my people that served with me and served, worked for me in situations where you wouldn't even want to put your dog or cat. We did it for the love of country. We didn't turn our backs on America and throw the security requirements and and, uh, regulations under the table and do what we damn well pleased and then got in front of the public and said, well, you know, I'm not going to admit that I made a mistake because I didn't. I didn't, didn't do anything wrong. She knows damn well along with all her lackeys in the State Department, Barack Hussein Obama Jr. and Loretta Lynch, they all know damn well that she broke multiple laws and regulations, and she has multiple felonies hanging over her head. You know, America's going to be in a sorry-ass state, worse than it is now, if they turn a blind eye to what she's done if they turn turn a blind eye to what she's done and our Justice Department does not prosecute, does not indict, then the whole game is finished. The whole reason for having laws is done. It will illustrate once and for all to the American people that if you're an elitist, that works and operates inside the beltway and rubs elbows with other elitists and the mainstream media and uh, do whatever you damn well please because they all will have your back and protect you. You are above the fray. It's only the great unwashed we should prosecute and treat and the, with the whole force of law. Those who write the law, those who break the laws that operate outside of D.C., inside the Beltway, doesn't pertain to them. They get away with it. It's a sorry damn mess, ladies and gentlemen, that we even have one American that doesn't understand this. But we got millions that don't understand it, and they don't give a damn, it seems. And once again, before we go to break, I've got to say this to all you baby boomer women out there and men. You're a sorry bunch. You who have cast your lot in with Hillary Rotten Clinton. You are a sorry bunch of people. And all you young women out there that fawn all over her, she's a pervert just as much as her husband is. She's perverted your minds into thinking that she's just a nice lady that's finally going to break that glass ceiling and finally become a first woman in the White House. I have no problem with a first woman in the White House as long as she is honest. Hillary's not honest. Hillary's nothing but a liar and a low-down scumbag. The Getting After Lefty Show and your host, Gary Gatehouse, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the GAL Network.
2: You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got. If you're well up in them down and in Lumbobot. Gotta conserve water, keep the air clean. Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all. Kevin Fowler here. Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean. Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way. We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide. You gotta take care of Texas. It's the only one we got.
9: Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. Hi, we're talking to
0: real smokers about quitting. Tell me when you smoke and why you smoke.
4: Eat cigarette, kids cigarette, dinner another cigarette.
0: One on my way to lunch, one after lunch,
1: and
4: another cigarette, and another cigarette.
6: Have you tried to quit?
1: Yes.
4: I become angry.
1: It ain't that easy. You can't just quit cold turkey. I tried.
6: What would you do different?
1: Actually having a plan and thinking it
6: through. You have to relearn
4: how to
2: live your life without a cigarette in your hand.
4: With the right plan, you can quit smoking. Free at
3: becomingx.org.
4: X, a new way to think about quitting. Brought to you by X and the Ad Council.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Getting after lefty. You know, folks, we were talking a little bit about Glenn Beck and his endorsement of Mr. Ted Cruz. That's fine and good. That's okay. But you know here a while back on Glenn's radio show with him and his two dolts one sitting on either side of him he proclaimed to the world after such frustration build up inside his mind about how Trump was doing so well he said that he was leaving the Republican Party. He said and I quote I've made my decision. I'm out. And he said this on the Glenn Beck program, his radio show, his broadcast on The Blaze. I'm out of the Republican Party. I am not a Republican. I will not give a dime to the Republican Party. I'm out. Quote Glenn Beck. The host said Republicans lost him with their inaction on both Obamacare and illegal immigration. He went on to say all this stuff that they say... They said and they ran and they said they were going to do all of these great things and they were going to stand up against Obamacare and illegal immigration. They set us up. Beck added. And then he went on to say they set us up. Enough is enough. They're torpedoing the Constitution and they're they're doing it knowingly. Now Glenbeck, as we all know, used to be on Fox News, and he was a Fox News pundit. But he also took issue with the GOP's treatment of Tea Party lawmakers back in those days. Beck said that establishment Republicans had disrespected Senators Mike Lee of uh, Utah and Ted Cruz of Texas, a likely 2016 GOP presidential candidate. That's what he said back then. They're taking on people like Mike Lee and Ted Cruz, and they are torpedoing them, Beck said, and these guys are standing up for the Constitution. Now, his decision to leave the Republican Party at that time was not only his only recent break with conservative ranks. This, not too long ago, a few Fridays ago, the National Rifle Association website indicated it would investigate board members and right-wing activist Grover Norquist over possible sympathies for the Muslim Brotherhood. The move came after Beck aired accusations against Norquist during Friday's broadcast. He said the people he hangs out with and the people he helps empower, they are agents of influence for the Muslim Brotherhood. Beck said that. Beck also said that his decision to exit the GOP was inspired by their resistance to change. So I'm done with them, he said. And he concluded, four years ago, I was with him. Four years ago, I said, work for the ins- uh, from the inside. Let's change it. Let's get these new guys in there. I think it's too late. Glenn Beck, the same radio talk show host, again, who said publicly on his radio show that he had had it with the Republican Party and said, I am leaving them. I'm out of here. Now turns around and officially endorses Ted Cruz. And he made the statement, my children's future depend on what you do a week from Monday. He was telling people out in the audience. I guess, in a move, he says that he has never done in forty years of broadcasting. Glenn Beck has endorsed a specific GOP candidate, Ted uh, from Texas, Republican Ted Cruz. Again, nothing wrong with that. But how can he endorse a GOP candidate if, in the back in the history a little bit, he said he was leaving. The Republican Party had had it with him. I can't work with him, so I'm leaving. Paraphrasing now. Now he says he's backing Ted Cruz, which he has. He's been up here and he spoke to audiences and everything on behalf of Ted Cruz. And speaking at a Bible rally at Faith Bible College in Acme, Iowa, hosted by Super PACs, the conservative radio host said, I am here to announce that I'm officially endorsing Ted Cruz to become... The first Hispanic president of the United States. The first generation president of the United States. The most conservative president of the United States since Ronald Reagan. Now again, Glenn Beck can say and do what he wants. That's his prerogative. I'm just mentioning this to my audience, to you all out there. Fellow Texan Ted Cruz, if he survives and he makes it, good on him. I'll back him. I'll back him 100%. But I said a long time ago, I was a card-carrying Republican. I was part of the RNC card-carrying people. I gave money to the RNC. And I said a long time ago, I was frustrated to the point when they kept calling wanting for money, and they didn't. Do anything about what was going on with Obama, his destruction of the Constitution, his destruction of our military, etc., etc. One day I told them over the phone I am no longer a Republican RNC reporter or, or supporter. Please do not call me anymore. I do not sign on with you anymore. From this day forward, I am an independent. Leave me alone and I proceeded to cut up my RNC plastic card and say the hell with it. That's, I, I'm ended with it. Now along comes the 2016 election. Along comes an outsider. His name is Mr. Donald Trump. He's a businessman, very successful businessman and entrepreneur. A multi-billionaire. But does that negate his love for his country? Does that negate that he is an American citizen? Does that negate the fact that he, because of his success, should not run because he's not one of us? He's out there somewhere way above us driving his Ferrari or whatever and he should not ever even consider running for the presidency. He's not qualified. He's just not qualified. He's got too much money and he's a flip-flopper and you've heard it all. You've heard it all. And I said to myself, this, this guy is saying what the Gary Gatehouse radio show has been saying for over 10 years. That political correctness has America by the throat. Political correctness is dictating to the people in D.C. what they can and can't say. The people in D.C. and the House of Representatives and the Senate, especially Republicans, have been hiding under their desks." Since 2008 and even before. Afraid to open their mouth. Afraid to say anything. A fear that somebody or some group or some race of people or whatever the case may be will point the finger at them and call them a homophobe or an Islamophobe or a racist or a bigot or whatever. They completely immobilized themselves. They completely taped their mouths shut and did not stand for their constituents. And they sided with Obama at every opportunity. And my show went after Obama starting way back in the late late months of uh, twenty seven, two thousand seven. I knew what this man was. I knew who he was. He was no good. I understood where he was coming from and where he is coming from. And I pleaded with my people uh, up in Congress, please. Do something about this guy, and you all did too, and it fell on deaf ears. So now the Republican Party, the Republican elitist, the Republicans are set up in their little ivory towers and look down upon us. They scratch their head and they wonder why has everybody in the Republican Party, why has conservatives turned on us, why? Remember, folks, when people such as John McCain called conservatives wacko birds, a threat to the Constitution. Remember when people in Republican leadership shunned us, told us to shut up, told us to go sit at the back of the bus? I'm talking about us conservatives. Paid no heed to us. Paid no attention to us. Paid no pleas uh, to the pleas that we set forward to them about amnesty, about illegals, about people coming across our border. We don't want Muslims in our country. We don't want Syrians. And it all fell on deaf ears. And then they wonder why conservatives have turned their back on them. They wonder why many conservatives in America today that were once dyed-in-the-wool Republicans have left the Republican Party and have backed a man called Donald Trump. Because he speaks the same language, has the same ideas, and has the same drive as we do. You know, folks, as an American citizen, I had the opportunity to get behind this microphone and speak my mind publicly. And I don't pony punches. You who follow me know that. I don't pony punches. I call a spade a spade but about Glenn Beck I'm going to say this one more time and that's it enough said about Glenn Beck he has made his bed not much really matters when he opens his mouth these days no more will be said on this show about Glenn Beck my show the getting after lefty show will move on we will move on And I will continue to shine the light of truth on those on the left and those on the right and those in the middle who would want to do our country harm, who would want to change America, who are trouncing the Constitution, who lie to the American people. I will do my damn best to make sure you all out there hear about it. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty. And I'm going to have to hang it up now because on the hour it's just about time for the old network to pull the plug on me. Before I go, I'd like to say to all you people in Europe, especially all you women over there that are being used and abused by Muslim men, I would like to ask German men, Italian men, English men, Please protect your women. These third world trash perverts are are, uh, disrespecting your women. Please stand with them and protect them. Until Friday, this is the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show with your host Gary Gatehouse broadcasting to you from South Texas, USA. Wishing you all a great day And I'll be talking to you again Friday. Good day.